Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's reading from Jeremiah, do not be afraid, for I am with you. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So I want to begin my sermon this morning with a question, and that's, what's the most important word in the Bible? In other words, I've given just one word to capture both the heart of God and the mission of the church. What one word would that be? And to help us ponder this riddle a little bit, I'm going to give us three hypothetical scenarios just to get us thinking. Number one, your dad has a birthday coming up and you have no idea what to give him as a gift, but there's a little tension in that relationship that you're hoping the right gift might be able to bridge. And so you spend way too much money on a gift you know he probably won't even like. And by the half-hearted smile you receive when he opens that gift, you kind of feel like it failed. Number two, you're invited by, you have invited a few friends over to your home for dinner and you want everything to be perfect for them. And so you lose yourself in a frenzy of preparation. And when the guests arrive, you run around the whole time, filling wine glasses, checking the oven, and taking away plates. And when it's all over, you collapse in exhaustion, and you realize with a little sadness that the longest conversation you had all night lasted about 20 seconds. Number three. It's Christmas time, and amidst all the shopping and consumerism and parties and lights, you're struck and you're saddened by how many people in your community lack basic necessities, and you feel compelled to help. And so you and your family make a decision to forego giving one another gifts and to donate what you would have spent on each other to the local food shelter. So here's my question. What is it that these three scenes all have in common? And my answer would be that they are all linked by one word, the word for. We want to find the right gift for our Father. We want the house to be perfect for our guests. The gifts we forego, the money we donate, it's all meant to do something for those we deem less fortunate than ourselves. What ties these together, indeed what ties so much of human behavior together is this innate desire we all carry within us to do meaningful things for other people. And to be clear, that is a really wonderful thing. For is a great word. And yet deep down, we know that doing for can only take us so far in our quest for what matters the most, that the word for can't go to the root of people's loneliness or grief or fear. 
when we look at the deepest human pains or the most complex social problems, we are quick to see there is nothing we can do for them. And to take it one step further, what we discover in today's reading from Jeremiah is that doing for is not God's preferred way of relating to us. Because when the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Jeremiah, God knows the people of Israel are desperate for God to do something for them. The Babylonians have conquered their capital. The whole nation is in ruin. Cities are destroyed. Hopes are dashed. Faith in the goodness of God is gone. The people are in exile. They're surrounded by enemies. And so the people, they ask God to fix the political situation, to restore the kingdom as it existed under King David, to rebuild their homeland, and to take away their pain. All this they wanted God to do for them. And how often do we ask God to do the same for us? To intervene and stop bad things from happening. To surround us with health and life and security. To remove challenges and difficulty from our life. I don't know about you, but these are all things that I want God to do for me. For my family. For the people in this world that I care about the most. And so I'm struck and I'm a little convicted by what God says to Jeremiah in the midst of what was no doubt the messiest and scariest time of his life. Because notice the word of the Lord is not, do not be afraid, Jeremiah, I will fix this for you. But do not be afraid, Jeremiah, I am with you with it's a much different word than for but one we see woven throughout scripture from beginning to end God calls Abram to leave his home and offers nothing but a promise I will be with you an angel announces the Messiah's birth and the name given the child is Emmanuel meaning God is with us in the beginning was the Word, writes the author of John's Gospel, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh to be with us. And in the final pages of Scripture, when the new Jerusalem descends from heaven to earth, all the angels cry in unison, Behold, the home of God is now with human beings. With. This is a word that captures the most fundamental thing we believe to be true about God, that God wants to dwell with humanity, that God wants to heal the world in partnership with us, that Jesus wants us to be with each other in a more tender and compassionate way. To be with, this is ultimately what God wants the most. But of course, being with is so much harder, so much more inconvenient than doing for. 
right? We can do things for others without hard conversations, without vulnerability, without confronting how our own sin hurts other people. We can do for others from a distance. But when our foundational commitment is to be with, we don't always know what that will require of us in advance. It might mean sacrificing our own preference or our comfort or perhaps even our way of seeing the world. I mean, who among us can be with someone radically different from ourselves for any extended period of time and not change just a little? Now, there is something I do want to be really clear about, theologically speaking. There are many things that God must do for us. Jesus was for us when he healed, for us when he died on a cross, for us when he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. These are clearly things we cannot do. God had to do them for us. But the power of anything God does for us is that it enables God to be with us for all of eternity. And so with that said, I want to give us two very specific things to think about in the coming week. First, what would it mean for you to cultivate a deeper life with God. There is nothing we can do for God, but we can grow our capacity to be with God, to know God's voice, to know God's grace, to love God's world, to be fully with God in the actual life we have been given to live. Whether we're a mom, a student, a lawyer, retired, sick, healthy, happy, depressed, it doesn't matter, but what would it look like not to do something different, but to experience what you now do differently with God? You know, maybe you start with 10 minutes a day of contemplative prayer in the morning, or maybe you commit to studying a book of Scripture, or just being more mindful of God's presence in your day-to-day -day activities. But if you knew that God was with you in everything you did, your joy, your work, your suffering, the ordinary moments that make up your life, how would you cultivate a greater awareness of God's presence? That's the first question. And the second is like unto it. Is there anyone in your life that God is inviting you to be with in a different way? Someone, perhaps, that you're accustomed to doing things for. Or someone you habitually avoid. Or maybe a person you find to be very, very difficult. What would it mean for you to be with that person in a more tender and compassionate way? To be with them in their joy. With them in their sadness. With them in the ordinary moments that always make up a human life. Yes, to do for them if doing for is appropriate, but never as a substitute for being with. And so 
I'd ask you to ponder those things this week, and as you do, I'll end this morning by saying this. I don't know what the circumstances of your life are at the moment, but I do know that the good news of the Christian gospel is that God is with you. That withness is God's fundamental priority as it relates to your life, both now and for all of eternity. And so wherever you are this week, I would encourage you to be there with God. Always mindful of the promise that God continually is speaking over you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Amen.